is presented by Witchcraft. Hey, do you know what the song Heaven is Here has in common with Flowcast host Emily? (laughs) What, Michael? It's short. Hello, and welcome back to Flowcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our first episode. This is episode two, and we are here to discuss the single Heaven is Here. I am Michael, and I am joined once again by my two wonderful co-hosts. Hello, it's Ariel. Excited to be here. Thanks again for all your lovely thoughts on the podcast. We were all really thrilled with the reception the first one got, and welcome back. It's Emily. I'm excited to be here, too. I'm excited to talk about this new song because I really like it, especially the music video and all the choreography with it. And I appreciate all the support as well, even though I have been trolled on the Twitter account multiple times. I still appreciate the support. Yeah, next tour, I really want to get a photo of Emily and Iza standing side by side just so (laughs) we can compare. Or me next to Rob. I think that could be even funnier. He could just I he would like he his his face his would not even be in the photo. I was gonna say so like if I hug him, that one. my face would go into his stomach, into his belly button. It just it wouldn't even be a good hug. So our audience is aware we are recording this on the seventh, the day the single has dropped. And normally we would not do this. We would wait a few days in order to digest, gather our thoughts a little more, and see what other people's thoughts are. Uh, But we are on a tightened recording schedule right now because Emily is going to be heading out of town for a few weeks. And in a few weeks, who knows what kind of news we would have because King is like 10 days old at this point. On Sunday the 6th, Florence posted on her social media accounts about Heaven Is Here. Reading off the excerpt, she says, Heaven Is Here was the first song I wrote in lockdown after an extended period of not being able to get into the studio. I wanted to make something monstrous, and this clamor of joy, fury, and grief was the first thing that came out. With dance studios also shut, it was my dream to one day create choreography with it. So it's one of the first pieces of music I have made specifically with contemporary dance in mind. Obviously, we're getting a new song. That was exciting, but those words also excited me. Like hearing something monstrous come out of quarantine. I don't know about you guys, but I got pretty burnt out of quarantine music that was very subdued, reflective, melancholy, and somber. I am ready for something that I can scream and jump to with 40,000 of my best friends in the field. So the song and its accompanying video dropped today, once again, directed by Autumn DeWild with choreography by Ryan Huffington, as in the King video. She also mentions that it was filmed in Kiev in November of last year and gives mention to her two friends who are currently sheltering. Now, we debated a bit about whether to mention this in the last episode. Uh, We decided to dance around it a bit because it was a newly budding and sensitive subject. But uh, we have known for a while that these videos were shot in Kiev over a few weeks in the fall of last year. Part of the reason we didn't want to mention it last week was just that everything was so new. And obviously, our hearts go out to everyone in in Ukraine right now. It's a horrible situation that everyone there is faced with. And we should all be doing everything we can to help support the people of Kyiv and the people of Ukraine in general. It definitely adds another layer to these videos to know where they were filmed, especially given the situation right now. And it was sad to hear that some of the 
dancers in the video are currently being affected by it, as are many of the other people involved in the video who are also Ukrainian and currently in Ukraine. And this is, again, as with King, a teaser single. We are still holding out for the lead radio stomping single, which is presumably coming in the near future still. I think we should get into the sound of the song. I think, as Emily mentioned earlier, I was also very excited by the sound of it. I thought that it seemed to be really indicative of a new direction, whereas King felt a bit more familiar. Um, There was a lot of sounds in this song, which I hadn't heard before in other Florence songs. Obviously, it shares a trajectory. Like, it's, as many people said, it kind of has a witch-witch-esque sound to it, Um, just with a bit more spoken word and kind of eerie sound effects, some wispy bird call sounds, some very feral, some jig elements. It just, it sounded really exciting and fresh and it made me very excited. It's also, interestingly enough, we see Jack Antonoff appear again, but this time in collaboration with Florence herself as another producer, which was true of the last single as well. These are all co-produced. Florence has co-produced both songs so far. Uh, Was this a solo songwriting credit for Florence? Because I believe King was, okay, so King was a co-write with her and Jack, but this is a solo writing. This one was co-produced also by Dave Bailey and Kid Harpoon. Dave Bailey is the lead singer and main, he writes and produces most of the Glass Animals songs himself, and he added the synths to this. And so it's interesting to hear, to see these two come together, because I think they're two of my favorite bands, but I never expected them to intersect in this way. Kid Harpoon is a bit more familiar. He's participated in songs on lungs, ceremonials, and how big. He uh, worked on What Kind of Man, Ship Direct, Never Let Me Go, Leave My Body, Sweet Nothing, Over the Love. Um, He also did some work with Florence pre-lungs, so that's like I'm Going Down. But also interestingly enough, lately he's been doing a lot of work with Harry Styles. I think he co-produced all of Fine Line and some of Harry's first album. I wasn't expecting him to show up again, but I'm excited that he is because I really like a lot of what he's done with the band in the past. Another small point, and we can link this interview in the description, but Jack Antonoff gave an interview a while ago where he talked about being intrigued by some of the spoken word sounds coming out of England lately, and he mentioned self-esteem. And I think self-esteem is a clear um, inspiration here. And this, you definitely hear the spoken word element coming in. And so it's interesting that he brought that up months ago, kind of alluding to his participation in this in a way. Again, similar to self-esteem and similar to some of the other stuff she's been recommending lately, for example, Wet Leg, Arlo Parks, Little Sims, there were some spoken word elements at the end and also throughout the song, also a little bit of this in King. Uh, This isn't something that she's done that much of before this album, but it seems like something that she's really embracing. And I'd expect we'll hear more of that in the album. We saw a bit of foreshadowing, I feel like, in Call Me Cruella. Yeah, definitely. And I think also possibly in Haunted House. And not just because those songs are under two minutes. Yeah, no, it's true. And it does share that element for sure. I think something else that was really interesting to know was the time signatures and the breaks that were implemented throughout the song. They are a bit different than what she's done before. So that was really neat to hear. And they were also very powerful breaks. I think Michael mentioned that the boom, boom, boom sounded or emulated the sound that Fiona Apple had in her most recent album, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, in the song Heavy Balloon, sort of the dun, dun, dun. So that was interesting to hear. Yeah. And we know from Florence's Instagram stories in 2020 that she was listening to a lot of that album. So that influence is definitely being felt here. Yeah, I also seem to hear that 
influence if we sort of connect for her and this song sort of the way that Fiona layers her vocals quite a bit in that song and how that song is largely percussion and just her vocals. Obviously, this song is different, but they share that element a bit, even though for her is also a bit quicker. Along with the time signatures as well, I felt that it seems to be very Kate Bush-esque. I love Kate Bush. And so I also made the connection between the song Sat in Your Lap and some lyrics from King, where Kate Bush talks about just as she feels like everything's going great, when she feels like she's king, there's a bunch of lyrics in that song that she repeats over and over that are sort of similar to the lyrics that Florence has in King. When I made that connection, I I just felt like I had to comment on that. Um, I think one of the things that I I think we all enjoyed was seeing that on Florence is a song credit for foot stamping. It was also cool to see her getting um, credit for acoustic guitar playing and percussion. I think she's gotten percussion credits and foot stamping credits before, but I feel like those are one of the many joys that I get from looking at the song credits. I full on laughed when I saw foot stamping as a credit. I mean, it's an integral part of the song. It is. (laughs) It's good that she's being credited. Yeah, I think overall, I think we felt like this was more indicative of a slightly new direction, whereas King felt more like kind of a summary of the things from the first four albums. Although, of course, it also had some of the elements that we mentioned, like the um, spoken word elements and the percussion. I think there's also some interesting things lyrically about the song. I think one of the lyrics that stuck out to me the most was the one about her wearing her red dress, which to me seemed like she was referring to vulnerability, also power. Well, well, they crucified her in the pink dress, so. (laughs) Yeah, and I was thinking about that as I was listening to it in the car. I was like, okay, so she's now mentioned a red dress, a yellow dress, and a pink dress in her discography. Unless there's any more that you guys can remember. I just thought that was funny. I was like, how many more colors are we going to get? There was her best dress also. That too. I wonder what color it was. She she never said what color it was. So Clearly she should have out. made a compilation of songs that mentioned dresses. Yes. That should have been Maybe the fourth one. It should have been next time. I'll yeah. try again album six. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And as we can see, the color red is often associated with attention or boldness. And it seems like with this lyric, she's sort of taking that and using the power and control with it also along with the gun lyric also very bold overall the song felt like an incantation either to herself or to the world in general to kind of stay strong i feel like that relates to her saying that this came out of quarantine where i think everyone was feeling alone and struggling with their vices being left alone and she's saying like no like we all have it in ourselves to access heaven to get past our vices we can do this and i think what was interesting in this song was that it sounds like like the end of it made it sound like for her accessing heaven is via her art or via songwriting. The kind of twist to it was that is heaven a good thing for her? Like the way that she phrases the end of the song and the motion in the video and the gunshot sound kind of make it sound like like a self-sacrifice thing as well. So it was kind of an interesting dichotomy there a little bit. I know some fans were also talking about how maybe heaven is sobriety kind of this because she she alludes to drinking as one of the vices and kind of saying like for her maybe like heaven is here heaven is in sobriety come to sobriety it or she will save you maybe it's an incantation to herself to stay sober 
drawing a protective circle around herself and around the people she cares about. I think in general, it just feels like it's sending everyone strength and feralness. I think we'll we'll see how that how my interpretation or how our interpretation of this changes as we see more songs from the album and hear more about what the album as a whole means. I feel like the song doesn't feel complete without its music video. Uh, and as mentioned before, the music video was directed by Autumn DeWilde again, with Ryan Huffington serving choreography de- choreographer again. And it was clearly shot in the same location, notably the location where she was with the man in the last video and not with the women. And now the women are here. I think the very first thing that many of us notice in this video is that she was wearing different, like she's now matching the dancer's clothing from the King video and not the red dress and pink cape that she was wearing in the previous video. So the question is, does this video come before or after? And I think also she's matching the dancers all the way down to the, as Emily calls it, the black cherry underwear. And she's wearing boots once again, not barefooted. (laughs) Another important element of the dress was the choker. Yeah, so this was the first thing I noticed because when you think of a choker, you think of something elegant, sort of velvet. And this is not that at all. This more resembles a rope. And it not only ties around everyone's neck, it ties around their hair as well, which one does not ordinarily do when they wear a choker. So this indicates to me that it's not something that's being worn willingly. Yeah. Uh, and I think and- last time we talked about how or I talked about how I thought that it related to this um, short story on her body and other parties and a kind of folklore story about women wearing green ribbons and like how, how all women have to wear green ribbons. And I think now I'm unsure about that interpretation because it seems here that she's that maybe this ribbon is her songs saving her and pulling her to heaven. But again, is that a good thing or not? It's hard to say, especially given what Michael was just saying about how it doesn't seem like it's worn willingly. Another thing that was interesting from my friend Antony was he said that he found a passage from the Bible that blue laces used to symbolize how the saints were tied to Jesus in the form of everlasting love, like an undissolvable union. And it definitely seems like the women here are tied to her. Emily's going to talk more about this in the choreography section, but their movements seem to mimic hers. So it's interesting that they're all wearing ribbons. It's interesting that they don't seem to be worn willingly, and it seems like it's related to some folklore elements. I guess another thing... Uh, that we noticed at the end of the video that all three of us pointed out was this pause at the end of the video. I think it's interesting that both videos end with her breathing. In the first, in King, she's (laughs) breathing in the man. In this one, she's just breathing by herself. It seems like it's about to lead up to something. Like, it seems like she's kind of, like, getting ready to do something else. And also someone's neck breaks, or seems to break, kind of, in both videos, which is (laughs) a weird parallel. Yeah, so I think we all had different thoughts about uh, this ending scene because it ends on a still shot of her looking upward. And when I was watching it, I expected her to start floating like she was in the King video, but that doesn't happen. It just stays on her. It's like she's hoping to float and to be released. But in this one, it doesn't happen, whereas in King it does, which again gets back Mm -hmm. to the like, which ultimately does this video come before or after King? Yeah, we were discussing this quite a bit before we started recording and all our different theories about, is there an order to this? Is that order going to shuffle over time? I think one of the main elements of this video and one that I know Emily was particularly excited about was the choreography in it. Yeah, I'm so excited that I am going to teach myself this choreography and record it. And every time I see Florence doing some really awesome choreography, especially if it's 
minutes long. I just, I feel like I have to do it. I was a dancer for 17 years and connecting dance to Florence just brings out this light in me that I just, it makes me so excited. So we can see that in the video, there's eight dancers. It's interesting to see them doing the crucifixion pose during the part where she sings about her vices. I also really enjoyed how the choreography is tied to both the lyrics and the sounds. A lot of the time when choreographers are making up a dance, they'll choose either to choreograph to the lyrics or choreograph to the sounds or to the counts. And sort of with Big God, they meshed both of those elements very well. And they also did that really well here. And I also really enjoyed that in the Odyssey choreography as well, which Ryan Heffington did. And there's lots of intense facials and sort of throwing arms around, which also reminds me a lot of Big God, despite there being different choreographers for both of those. And with a lot of the choreography, we can see that the choreography was presented to them, but each of the dancers sort of made it their own. There's parts where they're all doing sort of the same thing, but they may not be doing the same art movement in the same direction or in the same fashion or at the same angle. There's a jump that they do at one point where one girl has her back leg a bit more upwards than a lot of the other girls and her back is a lot more arched and it doesn't necessarily stand out. It sort of adds more to the video. It just sort of makes it bigger. We can also see at least I see in the video a bit, it looks like Florence may have improvised a few times. She was sort of just peeling the music out and made the choreography very much her own, which she's always been very good at doing. And we can see that she was clearly presenting choreography, sort of like I mentioned with the other dancers. I've always noticed that she's very good at making choreography very personal to her and releasing very intense emotions with what she does. And sometimes I almost forget that she's been given choreography because she's so good at this concept. And so I think now we can sort of talk about what we thought overall and what we think could come next. I do just want to say first that I'm personally very excited for your interpretation. I'm always excited to see you, your choreography versions. So everyone needs to I'm go watch Emily's too. version. I have a, yes, I have a skirt that I'm going to do the swishy parts around. I have some leather cord that I'm going to tie around my neck. I'm going to wear boots. I'm going to go all out for this. But yeah, in terms of what did we all think, I feel like it made me particularly excited for the new album. I think the new sounds and kind of the fierce percussion and the kind of feralness of it is something that, that has been present in her work before, but something that I've always wanted her to explore more fully. And it's something that I'm personally very excited for as well as like the witchy medieval elements and I like that she's now decided that she's throwing out song structure entirely. I find that very exciting. Someone who doesn't particularly care about song structure. The video indicated to me that we do seem to be getting something of a visual album because we see that there's a continuation of choreographer and director and maybe that will continue, maybe that won't. So that made me excited, but also just the song being so explosive and feral. Yeah, I feel like I didn't get into the feralness enough earlier, especially those bird call sounds that feels like she's in the woods calling out to a flock. And I love those effects. The reactions I've seen to this track have been all over the place. I've seen a lot of people love it, a lot of people not like it, and a lot of people who don't know what to think. 
for me, this is one of those tracks that I think I need to hear in the context of the album. Again, we're not sure where on the album it's placed. It feels like a track that you stick smack dab in the middle as sort of a segue into perhaps more of an anthem. Yeah, I think um, one thing that I find interesting about the reaction was I think a lot of it seemed tinted by the fact that people were expecting this to be a lead single and also from how she described it. Like a lot of the reactions that I saw were people kind of at first being like, wait, what? And then usually they were like, oh, I listened to it a bunch more and I actually do really dig it now that I know what it is and what to expect. It does feel like an interlude or like an opener closer of the album. I think Emily was the one that mentioned that she thought it sounded like a closer and I think it could be a pretty badass closer. I think it would be pretty cool live too. Hear me out though. What if this was a show opener? That would be pretty cool. I would jump on stage and immediately perform the dance. That's what would happen. As you should. Yes. What did you think of this song overall, Emily? I really liked it. I've always been a fan. I, I don't think I've ever disliked any of her music, but I've always been a bigger fan of her bigger sounds. And I really liked that about this one. I loved all the vocal layering and the really hard and intense percussion. And I'm excited to hopefully hear it live. Hopefully it does get put on the set list because despite how short it is, it is very powerful, which means they should fit it on because it's so short. They have no reason not to. Hey, they didn't so. fit no choir onto the last tour until the final stretch. That's they did true. put it on. They did. I also think uh, in terms of fan reactions, whereas King was a very, we touched on this earlier, but King was more of a traditional Florence the Machine formula. And this is, this is new. This is more experimental. And to me, it makes sense why they put it out like this rather spontaneously just to expose everyone to this raw and unfamiliar sound. Yeah, it does seem like they're trying to kind of say like, this is, we're going to, you're going to see more of this. Let's get you ready for this before. I think another thing that Emily mentioned that I wanted to also touch on was I liked how upfront her vocals seemed to be and how clear a lot of the um, percussion was. Like, I think I enjoyed how like sharp and crisp a lot of it is. I think it made it very powerful. This is what I wish 100 years sounded like on record. Because that song, anyone who's heard that song live knows how good it sounds live and how subdued the album version is in comparison. I agree with that. I think the la- another thing that this song made me think of and like the last two videos have made me think is whether we're going to get dancers on tour. Because it's clear that dance is a big element. It's been a big element of her work for the last few albums, but... It'll be interesting to see if that gets even more incorporated in the live show or not. Yeah, because other than that one performance at BST 2016, I think, that was the only performance to really incorporate dancers and choreography. I was also wondering if maybe the reason that the song was released or had a push in general was because Florence mentioned how much she wanted to choreograph to it and have some dance to it. So they made the music video to it. So any closing thoughts? Excited to see what comes next. Excited for the album. Curious to see where this is going to end up on the track list. Excited for the album to be officially announced. I think also just thank you to all our listeners. We're so happy that you enjoyed this. and we're, We hope you continue to enjoy these episodes. We're excited to be doing this. Yeah, I checked the analytics and one of you listened to us on your Xbox, which I, I didn't know that was a thing you could do. So kudos to that person for teaching Michael a new thing. 
I'm just surprised that Michael knows what an Xbox is. I know what the original Xbox is. I don't know what whatever Xbox they're on is. Sus, but okay. What is what is sus? (laughs) Do I need to explain to our listeners? Michael is old. Yes, Michael. Not all of our listeners are the age of twelve. Okay, just flip those numbers, and you've got it right. I may be Gen Z, but I'm not a child. <laughs> <laughs> You'll always be a child to us. This is true. So Emily, what are you going to do in Portland? What am I doing in Portland? I am going to see my boyfriend, who I have not seen for a couple months, so I'm very excited. Um, This is a Florence and the Machine podcast. Most of our listeners are completely unfamiliar with the concept of heterosexuality. We are going to listen to this song relentlessly which will be really fun hopefully through some of our drives i already made him i made him listen to the first two i don't know if this is as many as other people but i listened to it at least 36 times today well not not even counting the music video i've watched the music video probably 40 times at this point (laughs) i'm scared to check how many times i've listened to it but i do think it'll be helpful for your overnight drive yes yeah i'm really excited to spend time with him and it was nice that florence sort of kicked off this week so many nice things happening yeah if you have portland recommendations for emily please send them her way you should because i've never been there and neither has my boyfriend all right well thank you again everyone for listening to us our next episode won't be for at least a few weeks until emily gets back and we will see what happens news wise in that time thank you thank you